This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock in here in Western North Carolina, Hayesville, to be exact. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Day eight of my nightmare of no air conditioning here in my home. It is. Uh, it was uh, eighty. Well, it was ninety-two degrees outside yesterday, and uh, it was eighty-two in my house by the end of the day it just ugh, it's just been absolutely brutal uh still waiting for the part to come in i'm hoping i'm hoping today i'm going to call as soon as i get off the air and pray that uh they're, they've got some good news for me because uh, it's supposed to get even hotter the next couple of days so uh, i guess i could sweat off a few more pounds um brutal night for the Boston Red Sox. We'll get to that in a minute. The uh, thing that everybody is talking about down here, just a couple of hours down the road from where I live, on Thursday, Donald Trump will surrender uh, to Georgia authorities on the uh, charges of trying to interfere with Georgia's 2020 presidential election. I don't even know, you know, I continue to be amazed how people can argue, people on his side can argue that he didn't when they have him on tape talking to the uh, the attorney general saying, hey, I want you to find me this number of votes, you know, and and it's I saw a poll this morning that there's 51 percent of Republicans still think that he won that election in 2020. What are we doing? Honest to God. I, and you know, I, here's the good news, I guess. So 51% of Republicans believe him. Well, 51% of Republicans is not getting him elected president. Even if they all vote for him, he's not getting elected president. Um, I, I really think he has zero chance to, to be elected, but that's neither here nor there. What's going to be fun uh, in the next uh, few months as they, this thing goes along is in the uh, – he. by the way, he has to post a $200,000 bond to get out it's uh i think uh $80,000 on the RICO charge and then 10,000 for each of the other 12 counts he's facing um what one of the things that's going to be interesting is the judge has said that he is not allowed to try to intimidate uh people he is not allowed to uh try to influence a jury or anything and that includes posting stuff on social media as you know in the federal charges he has gone after uh, jack smith the federal prosecutor and or and uh you know and, and it's been brutal and you know uh, talking about his family and you know all kinds of things like that well the judge here in georgia has said he is not allowed to use social media to do those kinds of things in this case 
And it's going to be interesting to find out if anybody can put a gag on this guy or take away his keyboard or his phone so that he can't do it. I'm going to – I <laughs> I, I really hope that he can't help himself. Can you imagine if he goes against the judge's order and does that and starts calling the judge corrupt and everything? Oh, wouldn't it be great if he did that and he ended up in jail? And this isn't even about whether you love or hate Donald Trump, whether you're a Republican, whether you're Democrat. We have to have some respect for the process here in the United States. Is it perfect? No. Are there corrupt law enforcement officials? Absolutely. The stuff that's been going on in Kansas lately with raiding a, a small local newspaper and uh, there was a thing in, uh, raiding some uh, 98-year-old woman's house. By the way, she died the next day after that. And they showed that there was video of her up on a walker, like, yelling at the cops. You know, I mean, we see stuff like that all the time. But but we still have to have some respect for the process and let it play out and hope that at some point the truth will come out. And, you know, even if there are some corrupt people, that, that it's going to work the way it's supposed to work. And I think 99% of the times in this country it does. There are some injustices. There's no question about it. It's not perfect. But Donald Trump has no respect for that unless it's on his side. So I, it's going to be fun to watch and see what happens. And you know, and it was great too. I saw a press conference or a, uh, a press release, I should say. The uh, Fulton County, which is the county where it, that Atlanta is in, the sheriff down there is by named Patrick Labatt, and at a news conference, he said. Unless somebody tells me different, we're following our normal procedures. So it doesn't matter your status. We're going to have a mugshot ready for you. Because <laughs> I don't believe that in any of the other three cases where Donald Trump has been charged uh, that he's had to uh, do a mugshot. Oh, how great would that be? Oh, just, you know. Oh, okay, enough. I don't want to bury myself any deeper here in the Deep South. Um, but, uh, just, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a circus and, uh, don't go planning on going anywhere near the courthouse in Atlanta because I can only imagine what a mess it is going to be, uh, down there. Um, university of Michigan announced that Jim Harbaugh, their head football coach is going to serve a three game suspension to start the season. Uh, it's a self imposed penalty that Michigan is doing for NCAA infractions, there is still an ongoing investigation of irregularities and things that uh, Harbaugh and his staff did improperly during uh, the pandemic. Uh, It it involves impermissible texts and phone calls, some of them actually by Harbaugh to high school prospects. There was a dead period put in um, during the pandemic and, you know, it's been alleged that Michigan uh, not only violated it, but violated it pretty much with impunity and just did whatever they wanted to do. Um, so there is – they had negotiated, Michigan had, a four-game suspension. They're tr- they were trying to negotiate a resolution for the uh, the infractions with the NCAA. And they said, look, we'll, we'll give them a four-game suspension. Will that be good enough if we can just make the rest of this go away? And the NCAA said – no. 
They said they want to continue to investigate this. And a lot of times you'll see schools will do this. They'll do a self-imposed penalty, hoping that that's going to get them some leniency with the NCAA. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, look, you know, and let me, let's me let be fair here. The three games that Jim Harbaugh is going to miss isn't going to m- make a hill of difference uh, to Michigan's season. They're games against East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. My daughter, who knows nothing about football, could coach those games against East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. Nothing against those three schools. Don't get me wrong. If you're a graduate, take it easy. But this is the University of Michigan that is preseason number two, was one of the best teams in the country last year, made the college football playoffs. Um, So, you know, and with their talent, they could almost go with no coach and win that game. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but he's going to be out at least for the first three games, and it's going to be up to the NCAA whether it ends up being more than that. Uh, Last bit we got before we get to uh, talking about the Red Sox debacle from last night. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts are giving Jonathan Taylor, their uh, running back who is disgruntled, I guess would be the right word, uh, permission to find a trade partner. Taylor still has a contract for this season, which I, it's the last year of his rookie contract that I believe pays him several million dollars. He's pissed off. He wants he wants a contract extension. Uh, he's no, he's supposed to make four point three million this year. He wants a contract extension for obviously more money. Um, he's been very vocal on social media about how he's been disrespected and about how running backs across the league are being disrespected, yada, yada, yada. Here's the deal. You have a contract, $4.3 million. Shut up and play. Bottom line, shut up and play. But he has become such a distraction, and this is a guy that hasn't even practiced yet. He's been on the the, uh, the pup list, which is the physically unable to perform list, because uh, he's coming off of surgery. He had off-season ankle surgery, so he still hasn't. He's not even practicing at this point. And you know, it seems it doesn't seem to me to be the best time to uh, to make that kind of noise. And the, the Colts have just gotten to a point that look, you, you can find somebody, knock yourself out. And you know, look. In the NFL, it's it's a fact. Is it right? I don't know. I mean, but the bottom line is this: in the NFL, running backs as a whole generally don't get second contracts because teams believe that. Well, and actually, it's not that they believe; it's a fact that the career of an NFL running back is shorter than most other positions in the NFL. And by the time you have finished up your rookie contract, which is, what, I think five years, there's guys that are now coming into the league out of college that are younger, they're faster, they don't have as many miles on their bodies as you do. And, you know, we we don't see a lot of running backs. You know, think about this. You know, let's say you come out of college, you're 21, 22 years old. By the time you're 27, 28, it's time for a new contract. Ezekiel Elliott 
one of the great running backs in Dallas Cowboys history, is 28 years old, and people are thinking that his career is over, that he's lost a step, and he has. He still had 800-and-something yards last year and, and 12 touchdowns, but it, he wasn't the dominant player that he was previous seasons. It's just a fact. You know, a guy like Derrick Henry, what he's been able to do with the Tennessee Titans is remarkable. And if the Tennessee Titans are going to have any success, as Dan Zampano said when we had him on on Friday, they need him to be the stud that he's been. And if he does that, then then they'll be in the mix. But it wouldn't shock a lot of people if his career started to fall off the cliff as well. You don't see a lot of running backs play until they're 33, 34, 35 years old. It just doesn't happen anymore. You know, and the franchise tag for, I think, a, a punter, I mean, a, yeah, a kicker and a punter is the lowest in the NFL. And the next is would be, believe it or not, running backs. And so it's only, only $10 million if you want to put a franchise tag on them. So we'll see what happens, but he has become a distraction, I think, that the Colts no longer need. Look, they're trying to break in a new quarterback with Anthony Richardson. Uh, this is a team that is in disarray and trying to rebuild, and one thing they don't need right now is that kind of distraction. So they have told him, if you can find somebody uh, that will uh, is willing to make a trade for you and it's something that we can accept, go for it. So to be continued, we will see how uh, how that goes. But we'll have we'll have Dan Zapano on again on Friday, uh, as he will be on every Friday during the NFL season to talk um, about that and uh, you know whatever else is going on as we get ready for the opening week of the NFL coming up here uh, in just a couple of weeks. Last preseason games coming up this week. All right, let's get to the Red Sox game last night. Um, look, as we've talked about, the Red Sox are in a 10-game stretch that is going to make or break this season. My contention was the Red Sox, at worst, could finish 500, but they really needed a 6-4, and 7-3 and three stretch against the, the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Did I think or do I still think that that is reasonable? No, I really don't. You know, I, I just uh, – the Red Sox – did last night what they have done so many times this season, and it is just so frustrating to watch. They get out to a big league. First inning, Adam Duvall with a bomb. I mean, he hits an absolute missile. Red Sox are up 3 nothing in the first inning, and you're like, well, maybe this is going to be okay after all. The problem is, is that James Paxton was not very good last night. Nine hits in four innings. He walked three guys. Uh, he didn't get a lot of help from his defense. Matter of fact, he got no help from his defense. He gave up seven runs. Six of them were earned. But he just didn't have good stuff last night. So that 3 nothing lead in the top of the first became 3-1 by the end of the first, and then they were down 4-3 by the end of the second, and then it was 7-1 by the end of the fourth. And, you know, how many times have we seen that here in the 2023 season. And the Boston Globe, in their story this morning, emphasized how bad the defense was. And it was bad. But Paxton was awful. 
And, and, you know, this is something the Red Sox have to think about. You know, look, we're used to a guy, you know, with a five-man rotation, you get four days of rest, and then your next turn is up. Well, and, and it is a somewhat small sample size, but since Paxton has come back, when he has made starts on four days of rest, which is what you would consider the normal rotation, he has an ERA of 9.8. But if they give him five days of rest, which they have done six times, his ERA is 1.95. So this is a guy that obviously right now, for whatever reason, needs that extra day of rest. But, look, he's coming off of a couple of pretty big injuries, and you know the Red Sox have been very patient with him. And maybe that needs to tell the Red Sox that he needs that extra day of rest. And and if that's what they need to do, that's what they need to do. Um, it just puts more pressure on that bullpen again. But the defense was bad. But, look, Chaz McCormick, two bombs last night. Jordan Alvarez hits one out. Uh, it just – look, and Alex Cora at the end of the game was talking about the defense – you know, and he, and he said, you know, this is probably one of the sloppiest games we've played in a long time. No question about that. Rafi Devers made his 15th error of the season last night. That leads all third basemen in the major leagues. Uh, Yoshida misplayed a ball in the outfield. He should have caught it on a ball uh, uh, that was hit. I think that was in the uh, by my Martin Maldonado, who is hitting uh, 176. Had two hits last night. I mean, it's just and look. Here's the other thing: the defense has been bad, and Devers has been bad. He is look. He's not a great defensive shortstop. I almost spit out my drink last night. I'm listening to the game on Nesson last night. And, you know, Dave O'Brien, and, and they had Kevin Millar on as the analyst last night. And at one point, Kevin Millar says that Devers is, above, is an above-average defensive third baseman. Um, and look, I like Kevin Millar. I mean, he's entertaining to listen to. He's not a great analyst. He spouts a lot of crap. Despite the fact that he called Adam Duvall's home run in the first inning last night. He's awful. Get him out of there. I am i don't, you know, trying to tell me that Rafi Devers is an above-average third baseman is like somebody telling you, is it's like somebody peeing on your shoes and telling you it's a rainstorm. Because unless you are blind you know that Rafi Devers is not does he make some great plays yeah and he made he made one last night that was outstanding and I've seen him make you know several this year that have been outstanding but you can't make those plays and then on what should be a routine play throw the ball away or bobble it or you know there are too many times where he can't handle routine plays What's the answer? I, I don't know. He, you can't put him as the designated hitter. Look, he's still athletic. 
But maybe they need to find, if you want to have them in the field, maybe they need to, you know, there's been talk about putting them at first base. I don't think they're going to do that, and I don't really think they can now because of the fact that you've got Tristan Casas at first base. You're not moving him off of there because now we've seen what he can do. You know, do you turn him into an outfielder? I don't know what you do. But we have to we have to acknowledge the fact that he is a below average third baseman. And look, before the season even started, there was a knock on Yoshida that he was not a great left fielder. And that has become evident. He's not terrible. You know, he's not Jose Canseco terrible. He's not Manny Ramirez terrible. But, you know, and and some, you know, you can chalk some of it up to these are all new ballparks, you know, playing in Houston, you know, that left field wall underneath the Crawford boxes. I mean, when he misplayed that ball last night, he jumped too early. He didn't know where the wall was. He just was, uh, you know, you could tell that he he just wasn't familiar. So you can chalk some of it up to that, but he's cost them some runs this year. You know, we've seen it time and time again. So, you know, the defense, there's no question the defense was a problem. But, man, uh, you know, we talked about having Paxton back, having Sale back, getting Tanner Houck back, who's going to pitch tonight against Justin Verlander, getting that pitching staff intact. You know, you felt gave the Red Sox an opportunity. But what happened the last time Chris Sale pitched? Couldn't get out the last two times. Couldn't get out of the fifth inning. Right? Uh, Paxton's been not so good lately. You know, his overall numbers aren't bad. You know, he still has an ERA of 3.79, so it's not like he's been brutal. And opponents are hitting 242 off of him. But there were, you know, that was a game last night. I'm not going to say the Red Sox should have won that game. Let's not get crazy when you look at all the things that went wrong in that game last night. But the Red Sox left a small village on base. They left 11 guys on base. They were 3-for-18 with runners in scoring position last night. Um, you know, and and Christian Javier started the game last night, and it seemed like every pitch, every count was 2-0, 3-1, and the Red Sox couldn't take advantage of a guy excuse me, that did not have good stuff last night. And that's because their starting pitcher didn't either. Murphy did a good job coming out of the bullpen, gave up a couple of home runs late, but he kept them in it. It's just that the Red Sox kept getting guys on base and couldn't get the big hit. They had the bases loaded with nobody out at one point last night. I think it was in the sixth inning. Bases loaded, nobody out. You scored one run. And that's the kind of night it was for the Red Sox bats. But now they're four games back in the wild card. Tanner Houck is hasn't pitched in the majors in two months. He looked pretty good in the minors, you know, making his rehab starts. But you're asking an awful lot of a guy to come in, hasn't pitched in two months, to face the Houston Astros. And, look, Justin Verlander is, is not the Justin Verlander he was last year, but he's still Justin Verlander. Uh, and now the Red Sox are going to be without Jaron Duran. He went on the 10-day IL yesterday. He hurt that toe. Uh, against the Yankees, had to leave the game. Uh, and they made the decision after the game last night that he was going to go on the IL. They've called up uh, William Abreu from uh, AAA Worcester. Uh, Abreu's been pretty good down there, hitting 274 down there 
with an OPS over 900. He's hit 22 home runs in Worcester. So, you know, they'll bring him up. I was actually a little bit surprised that they're bringing him up rather than bringing up Bobby Dahlbeck uh, for the simple fact that right now uh, with Justin Turner dealing with that heel and he had to play first base a couple days in a row, didn't play last night, but with Tristan Casas being out a couple of days with that tooth infection, they really don't have a backup first baseman. Pablo Reyes, I guess, is their backup first baseman um, if it comes to it. Um, But I, I was surprised they didn't bring up somebody else to play first base. Let Ref Snyder just take that other spot in the outfield and, you know, just kind of roll with it because they still would have the four outfielders. So I was a little bit surprised, but, uh, you know, they want to take a look at this young kid, see what he's got. Uh, Costas was back in the lineup last night, did have a hit. You could see his face was swollen. Uh, had that tooth drain in the hospital. Ugh. So, uh, but just not a good start to the stretch for the Red Sox. And they did nothing last night to make me feel like I should have any optimism whatsoever of them going into this big stretch that they're going to be able to keep themselves in the wild card race. They're not out of it. It's only four games. But last night, it was almost like the Red Sox regressed last night. This was almost like a game we saw like a month ago when the wheels had like completely fallen off. So we'll see if they can rebound tonight against Verlander, but, uh, you know, tall order. 31 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning, August the 22nd. One other thing about that Red Sox game last night. The other thing, uh, in the first inning, that uh, one of the things that led to that first run uh Another catcher's interference call, Reese McGuire reaching out to try to receive a pitch, and I think it was Kyle Tucker's bat hit his glove. The, you know, it would He flew out to left field, but the umpire immediately called catcher's interference, and so he ended up on first base and uh, moved the runners along, and then a sacrifice fly by Alvarez brought in that first run. What is it with all the catcher's interferences in Major League Baseball this year? It's like a, it's like a record. Um, I mean, I, I was an official scorer – in uh, in Double A for ten or twelve years, I think I saw two or three catchers interference in that entire time. And then the years I spent working at Fenway Park uh, with Major League Baseball, and and I don't think I saw, but you know, maybe one the the, the four or five years I did that, and it seemed I think the Red Sox. I think I saw the other day they got one against the Yankees, and it had been like the eighth or ninth time this year that the Red Sox had drawn a catcher's interference from another team. And then yesterday it bit them as uh, Reese McGuire was called for one. I remember Connor Wong got called for one uh, earlier in the season. You know, it's just like, what's go- what is it going on? I Look, it, when I play baseball, I never caught because it just I, it, no uh, that's just not for me I remember doing it when I was playing slow pitch softball and I'd stand like about 800 feet behind the plate because I didn't want to get killed um, so I, I don't I don't really I don't know whether are the are the the catchers reaching out farther to try to catch the ball closer to the plate are they setting up closer to the plate are the batters like farther back I, I, I don't understand what has caused this sudden rash in uh, catcher's interference. Um, 
I have to check in with uh, my buddy Dave Massey at some point. Dave was a catcher in college, and see if maybe he's got uh, he's got. I, I wonder. And Dave is an umpire. I, I think he does high school and college games. Let's have to find out if it's happening at that level as well. But man, it's just it seems like it's like a disease in Major League Baseball this year with uh, catcher's interference. Just bizarre. Uh, I mentioned the Red Sox are four games out now. That's because the Seattle Mariners won yesterday. Uh, 14 to two, they beat the Chicago White Sox, who are just brutal, brutal. And they did it last night without Julio Rodriguez, who has been the hottest hitter on the planet. Uh, had a 17 for 22 stretch over a, over four games. Uh, he took the night off, but Cal Raleigh said, "No worries, I got this." Uh, two homers last night, six runs batted in, uh, and the Mariners win for the seventh straight time. They are 32 and 13 since July 1st. Uh, Luis Castillo picks up his 10th win of the year, seven innings, uh, gave up just one run. It's his third straight win. Uh, How about this? He finished the game. He threw 47 straight fastballs. Never threw anything else but fastballs. But you can do that when, at the time, you're leading 9-1. to It's basically like just, you know, you have a 9-1 lead, and it's, Put it on a tee and let them hit it. Let them get themselves out. And that's exactly what was happening last night. Uh, so uh, uh, good job by Castillo. Lowers his ERA to 3.15. Struck out nine. Didn't walk anybody. Uh, the White Sox just continue to be brutal. Uh, it was their seventh loss in their last nine games. In their last four games, they have been outscored 44 uh, to 18. Seattle's going to send a rookie to the mound tonight. Uh, Brian Wu uh, has an ERA close to five. Mike Clevenger will get the start for Chicago. He has been uh, somewhat of a bright spot, I guess, for the White Sox this year. Uh, he's he's five and five, but he's pitched to a 3-2-6 ERA. So uh, uh, Chicago hoping they can uh, derail the Seattle Mariners a little bit tonight, and I'm sure the Boston Red Sox uh, would appreciate that. Uh, in the uh, in that AL West. Things have gotten even tighter uh, because last night the Arizona Diamondbacks use a two-run double from Tommy Pham in the 11th inning to beat the Texas Rangers 4-3. to three. Um, So Texas now with a one-and-a-half game lead over Houston, a two-game lead over Seattle. The Rangers have lost five straight games. Games. Look, the Rangers have been very, very good at home. There are 18 games over 500 at home, but they are just a game over 500 on the road now uh, after that loss last night. Bruce Bochy, the Texas manager, uh, seemed like everything he did last night went wrong. Um, they had a lead going into the ninth inning, uh, so they bring in Araldus Chapman to close it instead of using Will Smith. Well, that didn't work so well because Starling Marte, a home run, the first pitch he saw, tied the game. And then the Rangers, in the 11th inning, scored a couple of runs. They go up 3-1. to one. So then he brings Will Smith in, who he didn't bring in in the ninth. That didn't go so well. Uh, Perdomo with a, uh, a run-scoring double with two outs after they intentionally walked Marte, and then Pham with the two-run double. And the Arizona Diamondbacks win it by a final of four to three. Great pitching matchup today in the next uh, game of that series. John Gray for Texas, eight and six with a three-five-two. Zach Gallen, who is thirteen and five, uh, will pitch for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Look, the Diamondbacks 
uh, are trying to keep themselves alive in the wild card race. They are just a half a game back of San Francisco for that final wild card uh, spot because the Giants lost last night. They get beat by the Philadelphia Phillies, who right now hold the number one wild card position in the National League. Uh, Phillies beat them 10-4. Bryce Harper with an inside-the-park home run. That's not something we usually think about when it comes to uh, Bryce Harper. You don't think about blazing speed. Uh, but uh, an inside-the-parker last night. And uh, it was his 10th home run of the season. Of course, coming off that Tommy John surgery, they've got him playing first base now uh, instead of his normal right field position. No, no, no word on when they will finally let him play the outfield. It's not going to be this year, it doesn't look like. Uh, so they are using him as a combination uh, first base and designated hitter because they've got Alec Bohm. Matter of fact, Harper was the DH last night because uh, Bohm played uh, first base last night, made a couple of really nice plays at first base, as a matter of fact, to go along with three hits. But uh, the Phillies with four home runs last night, including the inside to Parker from Bryce Harper. They got homers from Bohm, uh, Kyle Schwarber, uh, and uh, Edmondo Sosa. Uh, so now they are three games ahead of the Giants uh, in the wild card standings, but the Giants now just a half a game up uh, on those uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, and uh, by the way, Aaron Nola picked up his 11th win of the season last night for the Phillies. Seven innings, uh, seven hits, just a couple of runs scored. So uh, a good outing for him. Taiwan Walker will get the start for the Phillies uh, today. And uh, Kyle Harrison is going to make his major league debut for the Giants. Uh, the Giants are taking on water right now. They're struggling. Uh, the Giants have lost, uh, I think, four of the last five games. Uh, so things kind of going in the wrong direction last night. Gabe Kapler, of course, the manager for the San Francisco Giants, former Philadelphia Phillies manager, every time he came out to make a pitching change last night, got booed lustily by those <laughs> forgiving Philadelphia Philly fans. Philly fa Philadelphia fans, I don't care what sport it is, are just, I, they have to be the most brutal fans uh, in all of professional sports. Uh, the Cubs win last night. The Cubs, who are currently in playoff position, they are the number two wild card right now. Uh, they get back-to-back -back doubles in the ninth inning by Jan Gomes and Nick Madrigal uh, to beat the Detroit Tigers by a final of 7-6. So the Cubs now six games over five hundred. And uh, to the surprise of many, many people, uh, they've won three in a row. Uh, not only are they in wild card position, they're only two and a half back of the Milwaukee Brewers for the lead in the Central Division. So uh, they, are, they are playing very, very well. Uh, Seiya Suzuki uh, with another home run last night. It's second straight day. Uh, it was a three-run shot in the second inning. He has five home runs in 13 games he's played this month. That gives him 13 for the season. Uh, he had only hit three home runs in his previous 57 games to the point where they had actually benched him. And uh, since getting back into the lineup, he has been very, very hot. Uh, Drew Smiley is going to pitch for the Cubs today. He is uh, in the starting rotation now, 9-8 and eight with a 4-9-2 ERA. And uh, Reese Olsen will pitch for the Detroit Tigers. And look, if you're the Cubs, it's kind of like the Red Sox when, you know, you play the Kansas City Royals and the Washington Nationals. You have to take advantage uh, of playing teams like that. And the Red Sox didn't do it, but the Cubs need to do that if they're going to uh, keep themselves in position because that wild card race in the National League is absolutely uh, crazy. 
Uh, the Braves lose last night. Stop the presses. <laughs> the New York Mets uh, beat them by a final of 10-4 to 4 last night. Look, Atlanta's got a 12-and-a-half game lead uh, over the Phillies in the uh, NL East. They're not too worried about it. The Mets are eight games under 500. They're not going anywhere. Uh, they're six-and-a-half games back of the wild card. Uh, but if you're the Phil, uh, if you're the Mets, that has to feel good because if you remember, just last week, Atlanta came to New York for a four-game series, and Atlanta won the first three games of that series by a combined score of thirty-four to three. Mets managed to win the last game seven-six, but I mean the, the the Braves absolutely pounded them just a week ago, so that had to feel good. Um, for the uh, Mets last night. Um, three home runs by the Mets in the game for the victory. Uh, David Peterson started, couldn't get out of the fifth, so dis- doesn't get the uh, the win. Phil Bickford came out of the uh, bullpen and gets the win with an th- inning and a third of scoreless relief. Um, but the, uh, the Mets will take them on again tonight. It is going to be Tyler McGill, who has an ERA of 5.5 for the Mets, taking on Bryce Elder, uh, who is 9-4. With a three-four-six, by the way, ERA. By the way, uh, Marcelo Zuna with a home run for Atlanta last night. He became the fifth Brave this season to have 25 home runs. Matt Olson leads the team with 43. Austin Riley's got 29. Albies has 28, as does Ronald Acuna Jr. So Ozuna now five players with 25 home runs on that team. That's ridiculous. And Sean Murphy's got 20, and Eddie Rosario's got 19. That's absolutely insane. That's how good that Braves team has been all year. But the Mets beat them last night uh, by a final of 10-4. to 4. It is 45 minutes past. Yeah, we've got to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. So the San Diego Padres, uh, to the, I actually was surprised when I, when I looked at this this morning. The San Diego Padres are still alive uh, in the wild card race in the National League. Look, they're five and a half back, so their chances are probably about as good as the Mets, and they still have to leapfrog uh, four teams to get in. But, w- look, that team is loaded with talent, and the Padres last night beat the, the Miami Marlins, one of the teams they have to leapfrog to get there. Uh, they beat the Marlins last night 6-2. to two. The Marlins have now lost three in a row. The Marlins are only a game and a half out of the wild card, but... Uh, uh, their pitching has struggled a little bit of late. But last night, by getting that victory, the Padres keep their hopes alive. Uh, they are now 60-66. and 66. Sung Kim, a grand slam homer in that game and a double. He also stole third base, uh, scored a couple of runs, sold some popcorn. It was just he was, um, he was the entire game for them last night. Michael Walker, the former Red Sox and St. Louis Cardinal, uh, five and a third solid innings last night. Just five hits, one run, struck out seven. Michael Walker, a guy that I still thought the Red Sox should have re-signed and, and uh, has pitched to a 2.63 ERA for the Padres. Opponents hitting just 2.12 off of him. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, again, another one of those things where you look at Heimblum and, you know, uh, they could have paid Michael Walker. Instead, they paid $10 million to Corey Kluber, uh, who is still sitting uh, in Worcester. And you go, really? I mean, this is just its one of those things that drives you nuts. Manny Machado with a home run last night as well for the Padres, his 24th home run uh, of the season. It'll be Jesus Lazardo for the Marlins tonight. 
uh, eight and eight with a four one three. Blake Snell, who leads Major League Baseball in ERA, ten and eight, a two six five ERA to get the start for the Padres. As look, I had the Padres dead and buried. It's like I stopped paying attention to them. And uh, again, when I saw the score this morning and I looked at the standings, I went, hmm. Yes, maybe they're not quite dead yet. They've got some work to do, but uh, uh, they can go a long way by getting themselves back in this. If they can sweep that three-game series with the Marlins, uh, people are in, ahead of them are going to start to get a little bit nervous. Um, in a game of uh, uh, the dumb-off game of – well, no, yeah, probably the, the, the dumb-off game of the night, the last two, I should say, two dumb-offs. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates beat the St. Louis Cardinals last night 11-1. to uh, Joshua Palacios, a three-run bomb in this one, had five runs batted in the game. Um, and the Cardinals have lost five of six. They are in last place in the NL Central. By the way, the last time that the Cardinals finished in last place, 1990. Uh you wonder if uh, there's – well, we know there's going to be some big changes. I mean, I, I would be shocked if Oliver Marmel still has a job uh, when this season is over. Uh, and uh, what's going wrong with the Cardinals? You don't have to look any farther than the guy who is going to start tonight's game for the Cardinals. Adam Wainwright is going to get the start tonight. He is making his ninth attempt to get his 199th career victory. Adam Wainwright, folks, one of the great – pitchers in St. Louis Cardinal history. Yeah, hey, I mean and look, you know, he's running on fumes. He's you know, this is obviously his last season and it's kind of if you're a Cardinal fan, it has to be difficult to watch. Adam Wainwright is 3 and 8 with an 8.42 ERA. If it, if he wasn't Adam Rain, Wainwright and the Cardinals weren't in last place, he wouldn't be pitching for anybody. Uh, you know, I mean, in, I mean, uh, in his last eight starts, Wainwright is 0-7 with a 12.72 ERA. Just brutal. Uh, and in the absolute dumb off of the night last night, <laughs> Brent Rooker, a two-run home run uh, off of Dylan Coleman in the bottom of the ninth, and the Athletics beat the Kansas City Royals 6-4, to Matchup of the two teams with the worst records in Major League Baseball. Oh, I mean, it's just Oakland is now 35 and 90. The Kansas City Royals are 40 and 87. The crowd last night in Oakland, ladies and gentlemen, and believe it or not, this is only their fifth smallest crowd of the season. Not the smallest. Last night, the paid attendance in Oakland, 3,095 people. 3,095 people for a major league baseball game. That is embarrassing. And the exact reason why the A's are leaving Oakland but it's also why the owners wanted out of Oakland and why they're not spending any money because they forced the hand of Major League Baseball and the city of Oakland and just said, you know, you're not supporting our team, so it was a convenient out. But 3,095 people. 
Uh, a couple other things before we get out of here. Uh, Arthur Blanks, who owns the Atlanta Falcons football team, he's also the owner of uh, uh, the MLS Atlanta United, and uh, he owns a, uh, a PGA Tour Superstore, uh, has now announced that he is going to own a team in the new Tiger Woods TGL League that is supposed to start in January. That's a league that was started by uh, Woods and Rory McIlroy. And uh, it is going to be – it's going to be interesting. It's kind of a team concept. It's all indoors. Everything is going to take place in this arena. Um, so, it like, they're going to hit their drives into a screen, like a, a golf simulator. And then they're going to play all their short game shots uh, in live action around sand traps and, and a green. And uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. And um, – they have commitments from at least half of the top twenty plank, uh, top twenty ranked players in the world, including people like John Rahm and uh, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, um, and it's going to be three player teams. Now we don't know exactly how that's going to be configured, uh, but it's going to be neat. And so uh, the the Atlanta entry. Uh, is now joins the one from the Los Angeles Golf Club, which is owned by Serena and Venus Williams. Uh, there's also a team in Boston that's owned by the Fenway Sports Group, John Henry, and uh, who also is part owners in uh, Fenway Roush Racing for NASCAR. But those are the first three teams. Uh, I think the plan is, I think, is to have six teams, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they're going to have 15 regular season matches, uh, semifinals and a final. Everything's supposed to be... On prime time in television, I don't know who the TV partner is. My guess is going to be the Golf Channel. Uh, and the, each match is supposed to take two hours. So should be interesting. Uh, everything is going to, of course, take place in that arena down in Florida, but Blanks has said that they're going to market it just like it's the team from the south, and it's going to have the black and the red that they have for the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, I'm curious about this. It should be kind of fun to watch. Uh, and it, 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 for people that are fans of Tiger Woods, it's going to be an opportunity to see Tiger Woods still swing a golf club without having to walk uh, 18 holes four days in a row. So that should be interesting to watch. And congratulations to Shikari Richardson. She wins the uh, world championship in the 100 meters. Not only did she win it, uh, she set the world championship record. She does it in 10.65 seconds. Uh, it's the year's best time and the world championship record. Uh, Shikari Richardson, if you remember, uh, a couple of years ago at the Olympic trials, uh, she won, uh, her heat. And right after that, she tested positive for marijuana that she, and she admitted it. She wasn't, she wasn't trying to duck it. And, but you know, her mom had died. She said, I wasn't in a good place and she was self-medicating with marijuana. Well, it got her eliminated. So this was, uh, kind of a justice for her and uh and she wins uh the uh the world championship in the 100 meter dash a day after uh u.s men also won that so uh, congratulations to shikari richardson that is going to do it for us here this morning we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the wake up call we leave you some with some music this morning from the great warren zivon passed away a number of years ago but i was always a big fan of his and this is from his Final album, it's called Disorder in the House. Bruce Springsteen plays guitar and sings backup on this one. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.